Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast and the show. I am Chris Graham. We've got Scott German with us here. We're going to talk about uh, the UVA basketball program uh, by and large here on the show. Uh, Virginia's win 63-50 last night over number 22 NC State. You know, going into that one, Scott, stated one eight of nine. Virginia, you know, hadn't looked good on defense for a while, had lost the game at Virginia Tech. I don't know about you, but I, I I was a little leery going into that game last night from a Virginia fan perspective. Uh, and then to see Virginia play as well as they did, they they took control early and really never got off the throttle. That that was an impressive win for Virginia. Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I would say unexpected because I don't think you could ever say that about a Tony Bennett coach team. Seems to be able to put a bad game behind them pretty quickly. He's done it, done it multiple times. Um, but te- you know, state was state, state definitely was the hottest team in the ACC. Um, I didn't, I didn't expect it to be that easy. Not that it was that easy, but you know, state never really, I think the after the halftime deficit, I don't think they got within nine, did they? Maybe nine. Eight. Nine was as close as they got on the scoreboard, yeah. And it, I don't know, we we kind of talk on press row a little bit. I, I never really felt that uneasy about it. It's a little, at times I felt like, okay, we got to have a stop, got to have a basket. We always did. Casey Morsell had a wide open three. He had made four of eight to that stretch from three. And a wide open three when the game was at 10 points uh, in the last like, maybe four minutes or so. That it, when that when And it rimmed out. I mean, it, he had it, it was online. As that shot was in the air, that's the only moment I felt uneasy just because he had been making so many shots in the second half. But yeah, yeah other I, than that, I, yeah, it took it, that shot probably took about three or four seconds or less, maybe, but it seemed like it took about three or four minutes to <laughs> slow motion. You could, you know, it was too much time to think there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if that shot had gone, then that the whole complexion of that game could have changed. Yeah, because right after that. I think Beekman hit a layup on a, on a uh, nice pass, uh, I think, from Clark on a backdoor drive. Uh, then NC State missed a shot, and Casey uh, – excuse me, um, Casey. Isaac McNeely hit a three. So within like 45 seconds of, of more cell shot rimming out that would have made it a seven-point game, it was a 15-point game. Game was over. Um, but, yeah, just for that brief moment, that's the only time – and that still would have just been a seven-point game. It's not like that was, you know, got – state within a couple of possessions or anything but that said virginia got to a big lead early and uh and and controlled and and, and just say it this way too nc state when i was looking back through after the game last night they scored 50 points in the game was 63 50 final um state had come in averaging just under 80 a game they were and they still are tied for the acc lead even with 50 points last night they had scored in 24 games they had scored in the 60s just three times uh and so I mean that's that's an offense. That's a team that puts up points in, in you know in bunches. They had twenty in the first half. They had to be frustrated as heck. And from a Virginia defense that had not been playing Tony Bennett level defense for a while, um, to come out all of a sudden and look like, gosh, the best of the Malcolm Brogdon Justin Anderson era. That that's that's what's impressive. Is and from two two games ago or, or two days ago, the uh, the the loss to Virginia Tech. Virginia just couldn't get stops in that game to save their lives to go from the way they played against tech and then to play defensively the way they did last night. Uh, that's impressive. Yeah. And I think if if you dig a little deeper into the, the 
the bones of the game, I think there's two themes that we could agree upon. Uh, one, rumors to the demise of Caden Cedric, or just that, rumors. He bounced back last night in a huge way. Um, and, and Isaac McNeely, the blocking machine. <laughs> the 6-4 perimeter shooting guard uh, with, the, with the block of the night on a, a dunk attempt with about three minutes to go. That one itself would have made it an eight-point game. Um, and uh, and, turn, and so things turned around from there. Um, and so, yeah, the, let's talk about Shedrick first because uh, McNeely – that was that was one play, an impressive play. But uh, Shedrick had been on the bench. Uh, he started 14 of the first 15 games. Uh, and then when Tony Bennett was looking for a spark in the North Carolina game back on January 10th, uh, he went to Ben Vanderplas in the second half as the five with a small ball lineup. It worked. He stayed with Vanderplas. He's you know to this stage, Vanderplas is still the starter until Saturday. We'll find out if he's if he starts on Saturday. I'd be surprised. Uh, but um, and uh, the offense was really clicking. The defense wasn't. I mean, we talked about how impressive it was, Scott, that that Tony Bennett was sacrificing defense for offense, but it worked. You know, it fueled that long winning streak until the tech game on Saturday. But Caden Shedrick went from starting in, you know, he was leading the ACC in adjusted bu- uh, box plus minus. He was uh, leading the ACC in defensive rating and, and defensive box plus minus. You know, he was he, basically all those nerd stats that people like us like. Caden uh, Shedrick it was was among the ACC leaders, you know, the, from a metric standpoint, could have been among the con- top contenders for player of the year. Uh, and then he then he doesn't play. He, he literally did not get off the bench against Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, Tony would say it after games. Uh, reporters would ask him. You're down, in there, down there in the media room. Reporters would ask. Uh, you know, some version of without saying these words in the same order, um, is Caden Shedrick in the doghouse? And Tony would say, Nah, he's he, you know, he's he's we, we might need him down the stretch and that kind of thing. But he he came, he came in last night, played 26 minutes, had 10.6 rebounds. It's like he never left. That's the amazing thing to me. It was like he was never gone. Yeah, it, it, it's like he just you just forget that he was a DNP. Uh, against Virginia Tech, did not play. CD, coach's decision. Uh, yeah, healthy scratch. He was healthy scratch, however you want to say it. Uh, yeah. But he just picked up. So are you of the mindset, and, and I, I think, I believe I am, that if Virginia's going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and by deep run, I mean win at least four games, uh-huh. which would we'll get you to the final four, which would get you to the final four, uh-huh. to make a deep run. I think it's got to be the lineup that we saw predominantly last night with, with Cedric in there. I don't see that small ball being able to win four straight games in the NCAA. Well, you know, maybe I'll throw it this way. Yeah. I think that the, I mean, if you think about some of the matchups you'd have to to have, if you make a deep run, Virginia is not beating Purdue with that seven, four monster, uh, (laughs) <laughs> who no one can guard in the in, in the at the college level. There might not be teams in the NBA that can guard that guy. He he's that good. But Virginia is not going to compete with Purdue with Ben Ben, ben Vanderplas. Uh, no offense to Ben, ben Vanderplas, but at six eight guarding a seven four, a big seven four, mobile seven four guy. But you know there may be there may be games where whether he starts or he's he's getting a lot of starter starter type minutes that you might want to go with a smaller lineup against 
you know, a, a team that has another, a, a team that itself has a four guard lineup with a small center. You may, you may actually want more minutes for a Vanderplas. So, you know, I, I'm not against saying that Vanderplas shouldn't start ever again this season for Virginia. Um, but I think that Shedrick should probably be penciled in as a starter. Uh, and then you adjust from there if you need to, you know, because I'm thinking of like there was a game in the 2017 NCAA tournament that that Virginia team played a UNC Wilmington team, ironically coached by Kevin Keats. Um, now, who's now NC State's coach that that, that North Carolina Wilmington team um, started four guards and their center was like a six five guy. Um, you might actually want a smaller lineup. You may actually want a four guard lineup with with Vanderplas as your center to counter that. Uh, or maybe even a, a four guard lineup with with a Gardner as your center, like Jaden Gardner as your center. Who knows? But um, uh, you know, so yeah. I but I think you know when you play conventionally, Carolina. I mean Duke on Saturday, so Carolina coming up in a, I guess a week or two. Um, you're going to probably want I, to me. You're going to want Shedrick starting at center. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Vanderposs, uh, Vanderposs, but I think his. I think he's Tony's going to really have to tweak when he his effectiveness, and that's I think he's going to be most effective in just situations. Yeah, or, situations or, or a, maybe a game. You know, boy, we we've been getting Vander minus. I mean, I, I we had been getting a lot of Vander. <laughs> yeah, plus. I love that by the way too. Yeah. yeah, I'm stealing it from someone who suggested it on our website, but we've been because in the last five games now he's averaging four point two points a game. He's had actually more games this season. This is just a, a crazy stat. More, he's had eight games this season where he scored three or fewer points, seven games in double digits. It's it's literally feast or famine with him, and we've been getting a lot of the famine lately. And you know, if if he's going to be the starter, he got 29 minutes against Virginia Tech, scored zero points, and then was a liability defensively. If if he's if he's not putting up 20 points himself, he's he's got to either be better on the defensive end or he's got to be on the bench, and so. You know, the fact that Shedrick was able to work through that stretch and not let it mentally get him completely torn away from this program and come back last night after sitting out the entire game against Virginia Tech and play like the Shedrick of November and December, that's a good sign for this Virginia program because, you know, uh, Francisco Caffaro got in the game for a few minutes against Virginia Tech. God, I love the kid. He, You know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a nice kid. I love talking to Caffaro, but – he he shouldn't be getting minutes ahead of of Caden Shedrick. There's no there's no doubt about that. Do you see any um, correlation between the inconsistency in in Vanderpost uh, Van and occasionally not not lately, but occasionally since he's been at Virginia, uh, the inconsistencies that we saw with Jaden Gardner. And do you think that has anything to do with just making that big leap, Vanderpost coming from the Ohio Valley Conference, Gardner coming from no, it was a Mac. It was oh, the it, Mac, it was, the yeah. Mac, excuse me, the Mac. You're right. uh, and Gardner coming from the AAC, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, well, which still is, you know, you do, you do have Houston and a couple of good teams there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, night it's, in, night out. My, my point is, oh, yeah, you're yeah, not seeing that level of competition and they just hit walls. Well, I think maybe from Vanderplas this year, you know, Gardner actually last year, I didn't, I don't remember seeing a lot of. What we saw to him this year, inconsistently, inconsistency wise, and maybe that's a good opportunity to trans transition to talking about how great he's been playing of late, averaging over eighteen points a game for his last four games. Um, uh, since, and, since he read his uh, 
his uh, obituary on Augusta Free Press. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there was that three big obituary. Well, he had a six game stretch before this recent great stretch where he averaged six point two points a game, was shooting forty percent from the field last. <laughs> Last uh, four games, 18.3 points, eight rebounds a game, and shooting 53% from the field. Um, and Ryan Dunn, the freshman, had been earning the minutes. He had actually outplayed, he had actually had more minutes per game uh, during a three game stretch than Gardner did at the four spot. So, yeah. And then that's when I wrote the column saying, hey, maybe it's maybe Dunn's the starter at, at, at the four. And then since then, yeah, uh, you know, I even I even wrote tongue in cheek last night in my observations column. Sorry, Jaden, didn't mean to offend you, but I'm, you know, in a sense, you know, obviously done pushing him uh, made him step his game up, and he did it. But yeah, he wasn't inconsistent that I can recall. I'm just from from memory last year. I mean, we pretty much got you know night in night out, you know, at least ten points and at least a few rebounds out of him, even when he had an off night. This year, Gardner wasn't that, but. Um, but I think with Vanderplas, yeah, you could be seeing that. You know, and Vanderplas still, it's it's interesting. I, I guess getting back to him, he's you know, well, I, I was able to talk with him for for the Jerry Ratcliffe Show podcast that that we do with Jerry, and I was able to to talk with him last week with with, with uh, Vanderplas. You know, when he was recruited to Virginia, when he was talking with Tony Bennett, he said that you know he played five the the five spot at at Ohio, and um, he said when he was being pitched to come to Virginia. Um, his the 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 thought was he would play the four spot and even some three, even some backcourt basically. So he was slimming down. He said he you know he had bulked up to play five uh, at the MAC level. He you know gotten he you know, put on fifteen or twenty pounds to play the five, and he was he was aiming to lose that weight so he could he could run more you know run off screens more. Um, and so uh, so he was thinking all along I'm coming here to play I'm I'm coming here to be a shooter. And now, you know, maybe the fact that he's been back and forth between, uh, you know, being a big and being a, a perimeter guy could be a factor in his inconsistencies as well. I wonder about that. Yeah, he's 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 been asked to wear a lot of different hats. Yeah, and, um, and really from night to night, almost maybe shift to shift, yeah. you know, yeah. to use from, a hockey term. From, from the time he is waiting on the side court to check in. Yeah, yeah. His role evolves a little uh, you know, just thinking about this, maybe we are on to something. So you kind of lit a fire under Gardner, we think. And then uh, in our uh, preview column of the NC State game, I, I wrote that Tuesday night may be now or never for Caden Cedric. Well, I don't know if you saw, I, I was writing about that last week too. I got several emails and a few texts after last night's game, uh, you know, to the effect of, wow, Tony must read you guys' website. Um, here's all I'll say to that. Um, no, we're not smarter than Tony Bennett. Um, we, we are good at guessing where Tony's going, I think is a better way to put it. Um, it, it, it doesn't take, um, a genius to figure out when, uh, a guy's not playing well, that you need to make a change. Um, you need to at least consider making a change. And so with Gardner, I mean, he, and, and, and we, you got to think, uh, that in practice, uh, it's it's intense. There's a lot of guys. There's guys who aren't even playing. I mean, there's guys like Isaac Trout and Leon Bond who are redshirting this year. Dante Adams is redshirting this semester. The Georgetown guard, those, that's a hell of a scout team to be going up against in practice. Uh, and so you know that Gardner felt the heat from Dunn, not just in games and not just because we wrote about it, but he was feeling it every day in practice. 
And, you know, Vanderplas has to be feeling it too. And, you know, I love the fact that Gardner stepped his game up, Shedrick stepped his game up, and, yeah, now it's Vanderplas' turn to step his game up. If all these guys – hey, if it takes writing a few angry words, Scott, I'm, I can write lots of angry words. Yeah, I so think- I, think, I think up next we need to really um, uh, turn the heat up a little bit on Armand Franklin. Well – yeah, I, I did that earlier. There, you know, I did that earlier in the year. Uh, even before his goose egg against Miami, I was I was throwing not you know not throwing darts or anything, but just mentioning that he was struggling and you know suggesting that maybe his minutes need to be cut. And then he had a long stretch. His last two, he's obviously struggled, but he had an eight or nine game stretch where he was lights out. Um, yeah, I I, I I was getting ready to say Scott. I I I would think that. Um, other people in the UVA athletics department know that we're not afraid of mincing words. Carla Williams might be, for example, this week. I've had 10,000 clicks on that story I wrote about um, her her failed effort to inject life into the football program. So, um, but that said, um, yeah, you know, and, and yeah, so Armand Franklin would would be the next the next guy. Um, and, and you know, I'm trying to think, Scott, who can we use because we always have a foil. Well, um, my foil would be. We, oh yes, we, I know I, who your foil is. I yeah. I, I I asked you before yesterday. You did. What would if you remember? Texted you. Yes. What did you think of a lineup that included uh, IMAC and left out? Uh, uh, Franklin starting lineup with with McNeely as the starter at three. Yeah. yeah. And then Franklin coming off the bench. And Franklin coming off the bench. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I think that it's today's Wednesday. The next game Saturday, maybe tomorrow, there needs to be a column where I will do some dig- deep digging into the lineup efficiencies thereof. Yeah, uh, McNeely, uh, you know, well, I didn't. We're not going to lose any. We've sit, we uh, we're not going to lose anything defensively. No, not at all. That he may game. You may game. He made the play of the game last night. The block shot on the dunk that that uh, kept the lead at ten at that stage. Uh, he hit the two threes last night. We only Virginia only shot eight threes. He was two of five. He so, you know, he he hit the two long shots, including the dagger three, with about two minutes to go, that ended the game essentially with with uh, to, to end State's last little mini run. Um, and the only problem any of us have with Isaac McNeely is that he just needs to shoot the damn ball. Um, and he did and last night. I think he shot them all seven times, which was over his five point five average. Um, so he, you know, if you bet, if you, if you had the over last night, you, 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 uh, you won the pony. Um, but, um, no, yeah. And, and, and he's never been a liability defensively. He's been getting minutes since day one this season because he came in ready. He came from a high school program that played the pack line. He's been a valuable guy. Even when he wasn't shooting the ball at all early in the season, he's at least shooting it some now, even when he wasn't shooting it at all. He's, he got on the floor because he played defense. Now he's playing defense. He's starting to shoot a little bit more. If he gave him starters minutes, and if you put him out there more with those that starting unit, may, Scott, you know this. Uh, one thing he's saying is that he, it's not that he doesn't want to shoot the ball. It's just he, he doesn't feel like he's getting the open looks. Maybe if he gets more time with Beekman and Clark and that, that, you know, that five-man lineup of doom, he might get more open looks as well. Yeah, I mean the over under for for the way Isaac has been shooting the ball, the over under has to be higher than eight. Don't you oh, think? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it would to me it would be a minimum of ten. A minimum. Yeah. Well, minimum of ten shots. Ten shots. Oh, he's not getting ten shots this year with this group, but he's uh, because Kevin Keats isn't the coach. 
<laughs> last night, man, we were looking at the numbers as the game was going on. I don't know if, how many fans pay attention to the box scores game is going on. Terquavion Smith leading the score, leading the ACC in scoring. He had 19 points, so he actually was a little bit above his season average going in was 18.5. It took him 20 shots to get 19 points. Um, the second leading scorer on the team that uh, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, Joyner. Um, Joyner, yes, Joyner. Joyner. Uh, he, he came in average of 16 points a game. He had five points last night, two of 14 shooting. Two of 14. At some point, stop shooting the ball. If it's not going in, stop shooting it. Well, no, you I, know, Chris, that did, just jumping off that real quick, that didn't, yeah. hurt, that didn't hurt the Appleby kid from Wake last night. Six of 20, but he got to the line 28 times. Now, North Carolina, we, we didn't watch that game because it was going on as we were getting ready for the start of the UVA uh, NC State game. But we were watching it on stat broadcast. If you can watch a game on stat broadcast, basically we're just watching the stats accumulate. Um, and North Carolina was trying to extend the game at the foul line. Um, and so without having seen it, obviously what Wake Forest did was they were able to get the ball into Appleby's hands every single inbounds play. And he was 13 of 13 at the line in the last two minutes. So um, credit to him. He knocked down the shots, but – yeah, six of twenty to get his thirty-five points. That's NBA-like, uh, and I don't—I don't mean that in a positive way. But those are typical stats that you see in an NBA. Well, game. Uh, for an elite guy in, the, in an NBA game, who you know, and he actually had a—he didn't have thirty-five points against Virginia in that loss, but you know, he didn't—he didn't do much. I think he was four of sixteen from the field in that game. Maybe had—he was in double figure, double double figures, but uh, he only—he maybe only got to the line himself four or five times, but. You know, yeah, that guy is a volume shooter as well. That's what I call – that's what I charitably call guys like Terquavion Smith or, you know, Appleby or – I'm sure there are other guys out there like that. Volume shooters. Uh, that just means they shoot the ball a lot. Um, whether they make it a lot – you know, going in last night, for example, Smith, Terquavion Smith leading the score in the ACC, uh, 18.5 points a game. 37.5% from the field, 34.6% per, 34. from three. Um volume shooter he just shoots it a lot and, and eventually some of them go in well, so you it, brought that up in the context of mcneely mcneely seven or eight shots a game uh you know the way he's shooting lately he, he had a slightly off night he was only two of five he was only 40 percent from three last night so he's somewhere in the mid 50s in his last nine games from three um <laughs> mid 50s that's all he is from three in his last nine games but if we got him, if he's if he's shooting the ball eight times and, and making four of them and three of them are threes, he's in double digits. And uh, then if you bring Franklin off the bench, uh, and he he can be either one of those guys. If they can be the sort of microwave off the bench, like the Vinny Johnson from the Detroit Pistons back in the eighties and nineties, if you could have either of those guys be sort of the injection of offense off the bench, Vanderplas could be the same guy. Bring Vanderplas in, use Vanderplas and Spurts, use Franklin and Spurts. Uh, there's worse things than having those guys providing offense instantly off the bench. I wouldn't be surprised if that's not something we say. I'm not going to go out and just be a bold and say that Franklin loses his starting job, but a couple of more performances like last night, and uh, the more we see of, 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 of Isaac, I don't know how much longer Amon can hold on to that starting position. And, and, really doesn't matter because ultimately Tony's going to put the best lineup 
out there, whether they start or not. But, you know, one thing we're talking about, Isaac, and it's just going to be amazing to see his career unfold at UVA, however long it might be before the NBA gets a hold to him. Um, <clears throat> we were talking uh, after the game last night, some writers, that three that he hit from the side late in the game, that was cold-blooded. And that was with a defender, pretty well guarded, if I believe. Yeah, it, I wouldn't call it well guarded. It was a it was a well set up play. I thought it was one of those. Virginia was driving the baseline really well. The guard, uh, a key, a key and Reese were gar- driving the baseline really well. And I want to say that was Beekman who found him in the corner off a dribble drive into the lane. The the uh, the backside defender cracked down trying to help because because key, uh, because Reese was finishing at the rim an awful lot. He was six of nine on layups last night uh, at the rim. Or, or, excuse me, layups and dunks because he had those two throwdowns too. Um, and so you had to get the help. And then that left. Now it's not like he was wide open. Uh, somebody tried to close out. They had a hand up. Somebody ran at him with a hand up. But you know, as Scott, we both played competitive pickup basketball in our past, and I, I think there's an applicable thing here. If you're able to get into a rhythm, whether whether there's a guy with a hand in your face or not, if you're able to shoot the ball in rhythm. That hand in the face is just window dressing. It's more like when a guy's up under you and you can't get into your rhythm with your feet and, you know, and then get your rhythm with your arms. And, you know, if, if somebody's up under you, that's, that's a contested shot. Some guy running at you when you're able to do what you need to do, step into it, get up in the air and and shoot the ball. um, That was a textbook shot by McNeely. But what he did well was he knocked it down and it was, it was a key shot in the game because, you know that end that ended the late the late the last run that NC State had whatever run they had. Yeah, and for a fresh uh, first year player to do that, that's you know that that to me is sort of showing his DNA that he's he's not going to be afraid to take those shots. He's he's not you know you you talk with him you talk with him some uh, he's not he's not afraid he's and he's not reluctant. He's uh he's very judicious, let's just say, in his shot selection, and that's not a problem. I mean, you know, he's he's a he's and as a result, that's why he's so af- efficient as a as a offensive guy. There's not a lot of waste in him. He's he's not a volume shooter like Terquavion Smith, um, uh, or, you know, other guys like that. Appleby from from Wake Forest. He's a guy who, when he puts it up there, it's got a really good chance of going in. He's not just throwing it towards the rim. He's he's not a guy who's going to heat check. Um, he's a very humble guy. I like what Tony said last night too, though. I said, uh, after uh, talking about McNeely, um, I, I had used this in one of my pregame columns going into last night. Um, at this stage of a season in February, you're not a freshman anymore. And McNeely, because of all the minutes he's getting, he's certainly not a freshman. He's getting more minutes than any freshman at UVA has gotten under Tony Bennett, including Malcolm Brogdon. That tells you a lot about the trust that, that Tony Bennett has in Isaac McNeely. Yeah, and it's and this is a, it's not like he's walking out there with a team of inexperienced players. He's right. getting a lot of minutes with a veteran laden team. Yeah, which yeah. is even more, um, uh, you know, more a glaring statistic is that he's out there with players that have been here three, four, <laughs> in Kia Clark's uh, case, five years. Yeah, uh, so. Yeah, his future is pretty pretty uh, bright at Virginia. He's averaging twenty one point two minutes per game, and I want to make sure I'm not misspeaking here. Brogdon averaged twenty two point four as a freshman. 
that team though was was not. I mean, that was that was an NCAA tournament team. Um, not, but they made it. That was back when Virginia was still happy to make the tournament. Um, this is a team that has aspirations. That team here's here's some some guys from that team. Now Joe Harris was also a freshman on that team. Um, other than that, Mike Scott was a a fifth year senior. But then Sammy Zaglinski, John Tell Evans, Asan Sin, KT Harrell, um, Paul Jesperson. Those are some names I haven't really thought of in quite a while. <laughs> some of those names anyway. So, yeah, that, that for Malcolm to get 22.4 that year, um, you know, he, he wasn't competing in the backcourt with a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, McNeely stealing minutes from guys who, I mean, gosh, you know, uh, Armand Franklin is, is you know, some people have as a second round draft pick this year. Um, if he stays another year, maybe a first round draft pick next year. You got Reese Beekman. Is, he, if we're not going to see him in Charlottesville next year, he's going to be a first round draft pick. Um, he's he's getting minutes with guys and from guys who are are legit talents, and um, that that says a lot about that young man. So, nope, I, I think Scott. You know, I I tend to be the one to sign the name to it. The the uh, people sometimes the, the 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 those who are inclined are the they get upset at me. Um, yeah, tomorrow I think we have to I have to you know inject that into the <laughs> into the mix and and suggest the the latest the latest change in the starting lineup uh, could be. Uh, and I'm stealing your idea, but uh, I'll sign my name to it and take all the heat um, because Franklin's, you know, Franklin had played well to the last couple of games, but McNeely certainly is, is if he's not ready already, he's soon going to be a guy who's going to start at Virginia. The only thing that I think that would, that could possibly save Armand from losing that starting uh, position is that Tony just wants to, strategically place Isaac in the games mm-hmm. and, and not at this late in the career, not, you know, not interrupt what he's, you know, how he's conditioned to come into a game. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that doesn't make any sense. Maybe Tony's going to play the guys that are productive. And if you look at stat broadcast sheets, the stats that we get, um, I'm not sure what it was last night, but it couldn't have been pretty for Amon Franklin. His, yeah, his minus. Uh, let's see. His numbers, his, his, his counting numbers were awful. Two points, 0 of 5 from the field, 2 of 2 free throws, 23 minutes. We nearly played 28 minutes. Um, and uh, so that, that says uh, uh, what you need to say. Uh, Franklin's plus minus was plus 1. McNeely's was plus 11. Yeah, big um, difference. Big difference. And, you know, for those who, you know, we, we use, we throw these terms around. If you know, and I'm sure a lot of people who would be listening to our podcast, watching us on YouTube, um, you've if you've been around us enough, you know what we're talking about. But just for those who maybe don't or need a refresher, plus minus is maybe the most basic, but also maybe the most important of stats. It's not a counting stat; it's a, it's a reflection of it's it's literally the score uh, when you're when you're in the game. So that what that plus eleven for McNeely is is the 28 minutes he was in the game. Virginia was 11 points better. Than NC State, the 23 minutes that Franklin was in a game, Virginia was one point better than NC State. That is that is the because it, that that doesn't just account for your points, um, your steals, your block shots, your rebounds <laughs> or assists or whatever else. It's a reflection of you know you get credit for being in the right place team defense wise. You may not get the steal or the block shot, but if if you keep the pass from going out to open Casey Morsell in the corner and he can't make the three. 
you should get credit for that. So that's that that uh, that plus minus really takes into account everything that you do and and not just what you do from a county number standpoint. And so, I mean, McNeely's been a guy consistently uh, who who puts up you know his, his plus when he's on the floor. Virginia's a better a, a better team. Yeah, that's a that's a vital stat. I love watching that or following that because I do. I agree with you. I think that that's sort of a very strong indicator of what that player is doing to the chemistry of that team at the, while he's on the floor. Last night, the best plus minus was Caden Shedrick with plus sixteen. I mean, I just you know, and and his his counter his counterpart was Ben Vanderplas who had a minus three. So Virginia was 16 points better with with Shedrick on the floor, and they were three points worse with Vanderplas on the floor. That that's you, you got to look at those numbers. If you're a coaching staff, you got to look at those numbers. You got to know those numbers as as much as or even more than <laughs> field goal percentage and free throw uh, attempts per game, et cetera. You got to know you got to know what what impact they have when they're out there on the floor, uh, and and that's something that you know the the whether whether the fans catch on to that number. You know coaches, and, and there's somebody on the staff assigned to look at those the, the analytics and and tell tell the coaches, hey, you know this is this is the lineup that's best for us. Uh, and you know Shedrick last night, McNeely last night, they were they were key guys off the bench uh, helping key that win from that perspective. Yeah, now Saturday's game is really intriguing um, as to what what is Coach Bennett, the mad scientist, going to come up with. Um, Duke's big. Duke's got some size, right? They got a. Their Filipowski uh, is a seven foot uh, college version of Kevin Durant. Only in the sense that he's a seven footer who floats around and can score in the post, can score from the perimeter, can drive to the basket at seven feet tall. Not a lot of guys in college who can do that. Uh, yeah, they're a big team, uh, and and he's he's an example of that. He's he's a seven foot Ben, ben, uh, ben Vanderplas. Uh, a four inches taller version of, of our guy. And certainly, you know, no offense to Ben, but Filipowski is a projected lottery pick, so more talented. And, you know, they're they're bigger across the board. But you know what, Scott? I, I, we were texting each other the other night. I wasn't even paying attention to the Duke-Miami game, to be honest. I, you know, sometimes I zone out on, on basketball when it doesn't involve Virginia directly. And, um, you know, Duke got their doors blown off by, by Miami the other night. And, my first thought wasn't, you know, the fan in me sometimes, you know, any any night a Duke team loses a good night. It's just a good, it's a good night. Um, but then I didn't like, I don't like them losing by 22 points, I think it was. I don't like, I don't like them the next game being against Virginia um, because, you know, they have five days to practice. They got five days to have, you know, whatever John Shire, whatever he's got in his coaching acumen, He's going to have it pulled out this week to try to figure out how to get that going. And, you know, I would imagine there's pro- there were probably some uh, trash cans set up around uh, the court as they were running hard uh, this week and that kind of thing. So, no, I, I, I kind of wish they'd lost the game by two points at the buzzer or something like that, not by 22, because they're not going to play. They're, they're not going to play anything near that bad. Um, I'd be surprised anyway when they come out on Saturday. I, I would, too, because good teams feed off of that, of that environment. And it's going to be a, a, a raucous environment in JPJ. Um, so I read an article today. I don't I'll just tell you what kind of summary of what it said and see if you disagree or agree or disagree. Duke comes to Charlottesville with its season clearly on, on, on the bubble right now. I mean, if Duke gets, 
Duke Faith loses in Charlottesville, they they don't have a lot of opportunities to improve their um, their profile, their resume. Uh, typical games that would boost them, they, they have Carolina at Chapel Hill. The Tar Heels are another team that's clearly on the bubble. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the last opportunities for Duke to get a, I guess they call it a quad, quad one win. Um, do you think that that's really where the situation lies with Duke right now is this game Saturday could be make or break for the Blue Devils this year? Carolina is on the bubble. Duke is not on the bubble right now. When I look at the metrics right now, as, as you were talking, I brought up the, the uh, NET rankings updated as of today. Uh, Duke is 29th in the NET. So, I mean, they're they're still in the realm. That, that would be like a seven seed, maybe an eight seed, but probably a seven seed right now. Um, they've got three quad one wins. Now they got seven quad one losses. They're, two, they're three and seven overall. Um, but they, it's not like Carolina, I think. I, I'll look at them. Let's see if I can, I can pull Carolina up real quick here. This, this one works pretty good. Carolina is one and eight. Their NET is 45. They're 15 and nine. They're six and four in their last inning. Carolina's on the bubble. Um, Duke isn't on the bubble, but I mean, you know, at this there, because you know, at this stage though, your your point was in terms of other opportunities. No, they don't have any. Uh, Carolina, they're at Carolina, so now that would be for them. That would actually be that could be a uh, it might be a quad two because Carolina's net is so low. But actually, no, it, it would be a quad one on the road uh, for for them. So, and not that that matter at this stage, they're still. They're they're playing for the difference between a seven, six or a seven seed and an eight or a nine seed, um, but no, that question you bring there though is very valid when you look at North Carolina. Boy, North Carolina, I mean, they were on this, they were at this stage last year. I think it's even more pronounced from them this year uh, that that Carolina is the one. Man, you know, I, let's, you know, I know that we're not playing Carolina next. We play Virginia plays Carolina. Uh, uh, on, I'm trying to pull it up here. It, it's still February 25th, so it's still two weeks away. But if you're Carolina, now they got Clemson at home. That's not a quad one game for them at home. Uh, in fact, Clemson it wouldn't be a quad. Well, Clemson would be a quad one on the road, but their net is 65. Clemson is actually more on a bubble than you would think. Um, Carolina's then got Miami at home. That's that's another one that would not be a quad one opportunity for them. Um, they would have a quad one opportunity at <laughs> NC State, but NC State's been really good at home. Um, I, I, you know, NC State. We we saw them last night. They didn't look good last night, but they they were eight and one going into last night in their last nine games. Then it's Notre Dame, Virginia, Florida State, and Duke. Carolina cannot afford really any hiccups. And next week they got Clemson and Miami, both at home. They can't lose either one of those games, Scott. I don't think. Um, and then you know, then they're at NC State. Can't afford a hiccup at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, a low you know low low ACC team this year. We got they got us coming in the twenty fifth Florida State at Florida State Florida State's won some games down there and then and then they got Duke Scott man I'm 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 not going to be surprised if Carolina doesn't make the tournament this year. Yeah, I mean, just looking at if you just get the pencil out and look at each game, yeah, you're you're looking at easily capable of losing three to four more games before the ACC tournament. Before the ACC tournament. Yeah, I'll pull up Ken Palm right now real quick. One thing I like about the Ken Palm site is, you know, you get the projections for each game. They are – oh, I'm looking at us. That's, that's why I'm getting the wrong thing here. Uh, 
Carolina would actually be favored in six of their last seven, um, but that includes being a one-point favorite against Virginia and a slight favorite against Miami at home uh, and then a slight favorite against Duke at home. Uh, and so that's those are three of them. They're, they're uh, favored to lose at NC State. If if they go six and one down the stretch, that's twenty one and ten. They're in. If they go four and three down the stretch, yeah. If they have They're a couple of hiccups there, the ACC. they might have to win CC tournament this year. So, but getting back to Duke, then yeah, the game this weekend. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, this year I've not paid as much attention, or have, I've really not paid any attention to Duke this year as 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 I usually do each year because Duke is usually. You know, it's it, the last several years, the ACC's been a Duke and Virginia year. Not last year. Virginia fell off last year. But for, for a number of years, it was a Duke-ACC league, and we had to figure out. We, we knew what we had to bring, and then we had to figure out what Duke had to bring. I don't get that feeling from this year's team, Scott. I, you, you might not either. I, I don't feel this this Duke team. Um, we were talking about this on Press Row last night before, before our game. Um, you know, when you recruit a new roster every year, some years you get Zion Williamson and, and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, and some years you get what they got this year, which is you know a bunch of guys who probably could stand to use an extra year or two after this year to season and get better, and they're not going to have that because they they replace them every year. So when you when you go feast or famine, sometimes you get famine. I don't know if this is quite famine, but it's not what Duke fans, the uh, the fickle as they may be, uh, come to expect out of the one and dones. This this is this is not a vintage. Duke one and done team. This is, I mean, from a standpoint of NCAA tournament, one and done probably applies because this is the kind of Duke team that gets in the NCAA tournament, loses one game, loses its first game, and goes home. Yeah, and throw in the fact they have a first year coach, right? Who the verdict is still way out on whether or not he can, you know, coach even Coach Chizeski, who's thought who's who's, you know, thought to be one of the greatest coaches of all time. He didn't have a great record of blending for these one and dones. He, right, right. He, so he, he it's not one, easy to do. He won one championship in the one and done era before he left. And you know, it's you bring up the fact that Shire's a first year coach. You know, I'm getting ready. I, I was, uh, I'm still writing more about the UVA football program, and I'm gonna bring it and make it make sense in a second. But um, I'm, I've, I was working on some notes today from from Coach Elliott's uh, press conference from last week, where he talked about all the lessons that he got from being a, you know, in year one of his being a head coach, he'd never been a head coach anywhere. Um, he'd been a, a, a coordinator for a national two-time national champion. He called the plays offensively for a, a, a team that won the national championship twice. Um, and so he talked about though, like moving over to the big chair and how there are things that you wouldn't, he did not presume to be uh, issues. For example, just the day-to-day responsibilities of being the administrator. You're not a coach 100% of the time. You're a coach some X percent of the time that's nowhere close to 100%. You're dealing with paperwork issues. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with, uh, instead of coaching you know, wide receivers or coaching quarterbacks or running backs, um, you're, 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 you don't have the day-to-day -to -day touch with the players. Now, at the college <clears throat> basketball level, there's only you know 15 guys on the team. Maybe there's less of that, but there's certainly the administrative stuff. Um, there's, uh, I'm the guy who, uh, you know, when you, when John Shire was sitting beside coach K, he didn't have to have the answers. He could suggest things in the huddle during a game when things weren't working and say to coach K, Hey, I think this might work, but coach K saw it for 50 years. 
he could he could take John Shire's suggestion, or he could say, uh, John, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to do this. Well, now there's nobody there's nobody like even close to the level of experience of of a Coach K sitting in the huddle with John Shire telling him, "Hey, I saw this happen in 1984. Let's try this strategy." Um, it's it's he's he's the he at 34 years old is the smartest guy in the room and. You know, that's that's Coach K, love him or hate him. You know, UVA fans love to hate him. Um, he's, he saw it all. He saw it all in all those years at Duke, and he could pull from the mental memory banks uh, and, and, and devise something on the fly that you, could, you, just can't, you just can't expect a guy like John Shire to do. And um, that said, they're struggling this year for, a Duke, for Duke. They're 17 and 7, but they're struggling. And – you know, yeah, uh, you know, obviously the, these they, they got blown out by Miami on the road. They got blown out a few weeks ago by NC State in Raleigh. Um, we didn't see Coach K teams get blown out. We saw them lose games. They didn't get beat the way when, – when this Duke team loses, they can lose spectacularly. We never saw – at least, you know, the, the, the decent Duke teams, good Duke teams of Coach K, we didn't see that happen in the last few years. That, that's been a surprise to me. Yeah, and um... – you know, can say almost the same. You can almost use that same spiel in Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, you can Huber was never a head coach Davis. until he got this job, right? Right. right. Uh, just insert Huber Davis instead of John Shire. Uh, he's got a little more experience at Carolina, but still, until you're wearing, you know, until that's that's your job. You you can't rehearse for it. Right. Right. Not when, rehearse. You're, when you're sitting in the big chair, everybody's <clears throat> looking at you for answers. When you're one of the guys, if even if you're in the next chair over, you're looking at someone else. You're not, you're not being you're not the one everybody's looking at. You're one of the other people looking at at in, in the co- case of Hubert Davis, Roy Williams, the case of John Shire, Mike Krzyzewski. And um, you can't overstate how not having those guys in the huddle uh, isn't isn't uh, a big departure for them. So. Yeah, you know, so uh, I'll, I'll just get back to. You. I haven't really, st- I haven't studied Duke yet. I'll do that tomorrow uh, to study their roster and study how they're getting their points and you know the, how they play defense and that kind of thing this year versus previous years. But I, I just don't like this. Is just the the looking through the the glass kind of thing. I don't like that they're coming off of a blowout loss because you know whatever measure of coach that John Shire is as, as a rookie head coach, um, he's going to have his guys attention. Uh, and and they'll play. They'll give Virginia a good shot, um, just because they're coming off of an ugly loss. Virgi- I mean, Virginia only lost by six at Virginia Tech, but for us, that was an ugly loss because Virginia didn't play good defense and and really struggled on offense for a long stretch of that game. Even though it was only a six point game, look how good Virginia played last night. Um, you know that that's the thing when when a team is coming off of a loss that they perceive to be a bad loss. Um, they, they, you know, a good team will come back and play well their very next time out. Yeah. And Virginia is a team that could potentially, uh, this is something that I was reading today um, about Dukes being a team that's really season, season maybe tournament wise, maybe not be on the ranks right now, but they're coming into Charlottesville playing a Virginia team that could just totally dissect Duke. Oh yeah, and and leave on a two-game losing streak, uh, and then where do you go? Well, that's okay. So when you say that and and lay that out, 
looking at the resume right now, resume doesn't suggest anything about being close to the periphery of, of, a, of a, uh, you know, being on the bubble or anything like they're not, they're not close in that sense, but yeah, they lose this game after losing the Miami game. Then yes. Then, then the narrative changes for Duke. Uh, then that schedule coming down the stretch gets more interesting for them. You know, I didn't look at their schedule in depth. We were looking at North Carolina. Well, it's not difficult. They do have a game against Notre Dame. And I think they play at, at Syracuse. at Syracuse. Syracuse plays well at home. They lost to Virginia, but they played us really tough. And, and they're going to respond to Duke. Duke's going to bring a level of intensity to to the to the carrier drum or whatever they call it now. Uh, they're going they to bring actually, out the best in the queues. That's what they after they, they, they so they play us on Saturday. Then they have one, two, three, four of their next five then are at home, and that's Notre Dame and Louisville among them. Um, now Virginia Tech, uh, they they lost to Virginia Tech first time, but they'll have something in their hearts for Virginia tech on the 25th. And then, then they got, they got blown out by state and they play state at home. They have, have the rematch with state. So they have two rematches with teams that beat them. Um, but yeah, they, if, if, so if they lose this, if they lose on Saturday, Virginia, um, they have the chance to, to lick their wounds just with the easy schedule of Notre Dame, Syracuse, Louisville, before they have their, they finish with Virginia tech state and, and Carolina at Carolina, the final time. Um, so even a loss on Saturday, they'd be 17 and eight. Um, you know, they'll, they'll win those next three, no matter how bad they might play in those three, they will not lose to Notre Dame, Syracuse or Louisville. Um, and so they're still going to be a 20 win team going in that last stretch, but can, can this Duke team, Duke, Duke doesn't play to get in the NCAA tournament. Duke plays to win the NCAA tournament. They've only won one in, you know, in the last how many every years, but um, you know, their fans, uh, their donors, they don't, they don't pay all that money for Duke basketball to just get in the tournament. Um, if they can, if they can't play with Virginia on Saturday, um, and you know, the way, the way the two teams are trending right now, Virginia, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I like Virginia's chances just from the way they're trending. Um, if they can't hang with a Virginia team on Saturday, yeah, you have to wonder about this Duke team's ability to win you know, a few games in March uh, and, and, and play some special ones in the NCAA tournament. So to change the course just a little, we talked about Duke and their the schedule remaining, remaining schedule. For those that are making a trip down to Greensboro, it looks like um, hopefully Virginia would finish in the top four, which, which would play your way out of Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Um, Think about Carol. Think about a potential Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday matinee game that has Duke and Carolina in it because both of those teams are clearly capable of finishing out of the top four. Oh yeah, right now so it, could, top- it could give the Greensboro Coliseum a whole different feel. We've been there on Tuesday nights and Wednesdays. It's it's empty, but yeah. all of a sudden you throw Duke Carolina into the mix, um, then. You know, it's it's whether they're having a great season or not, it's going to change the whole atmosphere of the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah, there's still some games to play tonight, but basically by the time we get to the weekend, most teams have either six or seven games to play uh, to, to get to the uh, to the end of the regular season. Right now, there are four teams with 10 wins, Virginia, Pitt, Clemson, Miami. That Boy, that's no one had that parlay <laughs> back in November. Well, um, they have Virginia. Yeah, well, yeah, but they didn't have that. They didn't have those four, is they what I'm saying. They, 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 they certainly had Virginia. That, that parlay, though, you weren't playing. You weren't playing that on your bingo card. Um, then it's NC State with nine. Then it's Duke with eight. Wake Forest with eight. 
I mean, yeah, at this stage, uh, you know, especially if Duke loses, um, you know, playing on Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday in the ACC tournament is is more for for the fans than anything else. But yeah, uh, Duke at eight and five, Carolina at seven and six. Uh, they're both they're definitely playing on Wednesday. Uh, and right now, the next four, let's just say, are the uh, the Carolina schools: is NC State, Duke, Wake, and Carolina are the next four. Um, Syracuse in the mix for that. Florida State surprisingly is sort of in the on the fringe of the mix for that. Boston College has Virginia Tech. Here's a funny one, Scott. When I was I wrote a preview of this game yesterday. Uh, so Boston College, Virginia Tech. Boston College is ahead of Virginia Tech in the ACC standings. There's no way that Boston College is a better team, but they're ahead of them in the standings right now. Well, That's they a, did beat Tech in, in they Boston. Beat, they, they did, but you know, season 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 wide. Uh, even looking at the uh, the Ken Palm, uh, Ken Palm has uh, Boston College one seventy eight. They have Virginia Tech forty seven. Uh, you know the metrics website there. So, but it's just one of those things. It's also the the unbalanced schedule has an effect here. Um, as far as that goes, I mean, no doubt that Pitt and Clemson, you know, have have they're ten and three. And I don't I don't want to be the guy saying the unbalanced schedule. I don't really it, it, you know, but they they have they have have had a weaker in, in conference schedule. Um, certainly Boston College has, Florida State has. But that said, yeah, they, they lock them into the seedings. And we may have to get down there earlier uh, that week, Scott, than we had planned. We may have to get down there Wednesday at noon so we can we can, we can can see all the marquee teams because some of the marquee teams are certainly going to be playing on that Wednesday. Well, I think if we twist our arms, we, we'll, we'll make that sacrifice. We, we probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll linger in on Tuesday night because you know, right now, you know, it's funny, Tuesday night, I guess Tuesday's still the bottom sixteen. Oh, Tuesday night is should probably get a. They should not allow children into those games. <laughs> it's there's an afternoon game and I think two night games. Usually the way it goes. Right now the bottom six, it's Florida State, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. Now there is a clear line of demarcation between Virginia Tech at four and eight, and then there's Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. Notre Dame two wins in conference. Georgia Tech has one. Louisville has one. I mean, there, there, there was the three games on Tuesday. If, if it's possible, Scott, they'll be even worse than normal because no way Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, or Louisville wins a game on Tuesday in the in the ACC tournament. So, I mean, it's already bad quality basketball because they're the worst six teams in the conference. But the, basically, I'll, I'll I'll borrow a term from from wrestling, which I love pro wrestling. All three of those are squash matches. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't tune in. Don't drive down. Or if you drive down early, just find a good place to eat. Uh, and, and we'll tell you the score Tuesday night after we get the uh, the emails from the ACC. Because <laughs> we, we probably won't be there either, uh, watching the games anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> you think Louisville is going to be go down as the worst team in the history of the ACC? I'm really upset because there's never been a 20 loss team. Well, they no, they beat Georgia Tech. Right. Uh, excuse me, but they they okay, that's what I'm upset. There's never been a 19 loss team. I'm upset that Georgia Tech could not do what everyone else has done this year. Georgia Tech is so bad that they lost to Louisville. Um so I think it's safe to say that we have our our best worst pair of teams ever in Georgia Tech and Louisville, but um, I mean, Louisville's three and twenty-one. They're one and twelve in the ACC. They're three hundred one in Ken Palm. The idea that an ACC team is three hundred one. I mean, Georgia Tech's two hundred seven in Ken Palm. 
And Chris, they play Louisville is in some people would say that the Mecca of college basketball in the bluegrass state, uh, they play in the yum center, which I've been in numerous times. It is a fabulous arena. What in the world is going on at, uh, at, at Louisville that they have bottomed out this, this bad. Well, so I just was talking about how, okay. So we have, we have uh, among our teams in the ACC this year from a Ken Palm perspective, Florida State's 169, Boston College 178, Notre Dame 171, Georgia Tech 207, Louisville 301. I went back, just I clicked on a button, 2019. The worst team uh, from a Ken Ken Palm standpoint, we had one team at 174, Wake Forest. After that, it was Boston College all the way at 127. You know, so this year, the bottom of the ACC, I mean, we got five teams under 169. We had one team under 169 in 2019. Um, it, this, this, you know, it, then on the other side of that, you've got, I mean, even Virginia Tech at 14 and nine, four and eight in a conference is 47. Syracuse is 85. I mean, so the, the, we don't have Virginia is Virginia actually in Ken Palm is 14 right now, even though in the national polls, a lot higher. Um, the, the top of the league isn't, I mean, the, the ACC is being dragged down basically by the bottom. our bottom teams are awful. And, no one, I, I can't imagine that there's, you know, if I clicked on every year from the last 20 years, we're not going to find anybody close to 301 in Ken Palm. I'm, I'm clicking through real quick. I'm not, the Pittsburgh, the pit the year they were 0-18 in the ACC, they were 227 in Ken Palm. They actually won eight games that year. Uh, I thought there was another year they were 0-18. Boston College was 0-18 in 2016. They were 225. So, um, this is a historically bad power five team in Louisville. And yeah, so your question was, how can they do that? I mean, I don't want to blame the current coach, the first year coach, uh, Kenny Payne. He was left nothing by the, the horrible tenure of Chris Mack. Chris Mack, th- this, this season's record should go on Chris Mack's career record. They shouldn't saddle Kenny Payne with this. This, this is what, this is what hiring Chris Mack wrought upon Louisville basketball. This is the sins of hiring Chris Mack a few years ago, be the coach. Um, it, it, now Louisville's having to pay for that. Just This is the same athletics program, though, that hired Bobby Petrino after they had already gotten rid of Bobby Petrino. Um, I mean, th- this is not a Louisville program that the athletics department seems to know what it's doing, and they certainly don't in this money sport of basketball, which is they're, they're playing in front of half-empty houses now in that, that beautiful arena. That's just unconscionable. So what you're saying is, look out, Rick Patino could be back on the sidelines. <laughs> um, they hired Bobby Petrino back. You know, they, they did. No, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what the the, the internal situation is, is down there at Louisville in terms of, you know, are there whispers around the program that that Kenny Payne is just not relating to these guys, or is it is it a factor of that plus um, the lack of talent uh, because of all the problems that Chris Mack left? Or is it entirely the lack of talent and they're trying to rebuild, you know, but I, I would like to think outside looking in without having paid any attention to Louisville this year for good reason why they're 301 in the Ken Palm that um, even if there had been a talent drain, it would not be this dramatic. I mean, Louisville's, you know, Louisville's Louisville. I mean, if, if, if the guys are leaving, you can go and say, Hey, come right. transfer in here and play yeah, the transfer Louisville. portal. You have instant. You can you can turn over your roster instantly. And it's not like Scott Louisville <clears throat> is a hard school to get guys into. 
No. <laughs> so it's it's not so yeah, maybe maybe that maybe this maybe Kenny Payne's a one and done. I mean, you know, without without having examined it further, Virginia's got two with them coming up. Yeah, if you look at Virginia's remaining schedule, two with Louisville, one with Notre Dame, I, I would assume. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. three. Um, those are Boston College on the road. Boston College. Those are those should be four. Relatively easy wins. Yeah, positively easy wins. Those four I mean, that puts you at fourteen. That's definitely going to get you in the top four. And all you got to do is split Carolina and Clemson, and Clemson's at home. Yeah. You know, if, so, if you split those two, go five and one, you're 15 and five worst case scenario. And, and that's, and that's, you know, if you beat Duke this weekend and go, and go five and one, you haven't really done much. And to go, if you go five and one down the stretch after Duke this weekend, if you go five and one against that six game schedule, you don't have to have done much to go five and one. You don't have to be the best team in the world to go five and one against that stretch. Um, and then you play the ACC tournament. So yeah, this this, yeah, this is you know it's prestige. I, I would love to win the regular season ACC tournament, but just making the top four, finishing in the top four, so you can avoid having to play four consecutive nights. Well, and, and what that does for you too, because we know that the important games are the following week, starting the following week. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know people don't like me saying this, fans don't like me saying this, but. The last three ACC teams to win the NCAA tournament lost in the semifinals of the ACC tournament, and they were both they, they were all three teams that had actually gotten those double buys. So they only played two games in the ACC tournament. Um, the less wear and tear you put on your team's legs in the ACC tournament, the better your chances are uh, that next week in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Virginia 2018, it's no excuse. The, the loss to UMBC was other factors too. DeAndre Hunter. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll heap on the excuses. DeAndre Hunter was not there, but Virginia played three games that weekend as well. The, you know, they played three games in Brooklyn that weekend. Um, the, the Carolina team that won the title, the Duke team that won the title, the Virginia team that won the title, all lost in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. So I'm not saying I want us to go down there and watch Virginia lose a game. Obviously when you, when you're there as a player, a coach, a writer, a fan, you want to win those games. But, yeah, if you only have to play on Thursday, you don't have to get down there a day earlier. Uh, even if you win all three of your games, play all, play those three games, that's just w- one less day of wear and tear on your team's legs If you have, than if you have to play on Wednesday. Virginia Tech last year had that historical, for their fans, magical run to the uh, ACC Tournament Championship. They won um, in, in Brooklyn again. Uh, you know, for, for uh, the, the, the tournament was back there last year. They went and laid an egg uh, in their first and only NCAA tournament game with that group. So how special really is it uh, to win the ACC tournament when you go, you know, they, they played Texas, I think it was, in that first-round game last year, and they were never in that game. Uh, you could tell that they yeah, had they, – they, they were spent. They still had nothing. Even though they had a few days off, they had nothing in the tank. And so – well, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot too. It's not. It's not all physical energy. It's, it's emotional. Emotional, yeah. And they had. To and play. they were spent. They won the first game. They won last year. That that uh, Wednesday game. They won at the buzzer in overtime. Right. They had to hit a three at the buzzer to win that game. So, I mean, they they had to work their asses off to get in that tournament. If you're you want to be like the situation Virginia seems like it's in right now, which is, you know, hold serve, win games. Um, get to Greensboro, play at 12 o'clock on Thursday, play at seven o'clock on Friday. If you win, play at eight o'clock on Saturday. But yeah, the less, the less drama, poss- the least amount of drama possible uh, is, is best for this Virginia team. 
Yeah, from an old school person like me that that remembers going to the ACC tournament when the ACC had eight teams, uh-huh. and one year they a couple of years they had seven. Yes, yes. Because South Carolina dropped out and went to the SEC before Georgia Tech came in. Yeah, right. Um, and the, the, I think the NCAA tournament was maybe thirty-two teams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So winning the ACC championship. A la Wally Walker, Wally Walker. 76 team, yeah. yeah. That, that was magical. That meant a lot. Yeah. And that yeah. was the that was pretty much the zenith of what you what you what you strive for. And it was just the prestige. Now, now it really doesn't have all that because you know that it's you're going to get to the tournament unless you just have to win the ACC tournament. You're going to make it to the, yeah. to the NCAA yeah. tournament. It does take a little bit of luck, take a little bit of shine off of it, but for old people like me, it's still bragging rights to say uh, we were tournament champions. It is, it is, and it, it, that's what I say too. Is no one goes out there. The I'm the I'm the analyst telling you that the last three ACC teams who won NCAA tournaments lost in the semifinals of the, of the ACC tournament. Um, none of those teams played those games trying to lose the games. So they could go home early. Um, well, we were there. I mean, we were we were there for all three of those. Yeah, actually, those, yeah. that championship game is is is. Those teams are going at it pretty darn I mean, hard. That Virginia team that won the 2019 title lost to Florida State that night, and that was a game. Florida State controlled that game from the tip. I mean, they, I think the final score was maybe around 10-point uh, uh, win for Florida State, but that was a frustrating night for Virginia, and they nobody had nobody on the Virginia side had fun that night. I mean, we were in the locker room afterwards. Nobody was happy that night that they lost yeah. that game. They weren't happy about going home. No, no, and so – um, but yeah, you know, your point was your, your bigger point was, you know, you want to play, you want to play, you want to play your first game as late as possible. Um, uh, in, in terms of days. Uh, and so, um, this Virginia team, when you look at the schedule, I mean, this game with Duke, win that game, you know, you're holding serve, you know, winning a game that you're scheduled, that you're favored to win, um, against a good team, but still you're favored to win because you're at home go five and one in that stretch down the stretch and, you know, go, go in there with a 16 and four record and you're either the one or two seed um, selfishly. Now, if you're a fan and, you know, Scott and I straddle the line of fan and writer, I think you want to play. We want to play at 12 o'clock on Thursday. I, I don't straddle that line. Well, you, you, well, you write, you have a byline. Yeah. You, you straddle the line, not nearly as well as I do, but you, you you're still, you have a toe at least yeah, on the line. I'm, I'm, I've got a toe hanging on. <laughs> got your pinky toe and one of your feet on the line um but you want to play the you want to play at 12 if the one seed plays at 12 and the 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 two seed plays at nine no excuse me the two play two seed plays at seven three seed plays at nine you want to be a noon game on thursday you don't want because you don't want to be sitting there all day thinking about the game that you are there to watch you you want to actually play in a team that has already played 80 minutes of basketball well that, well, not necessarily. If you're the one seed playing the eight seed, you're, they've actually – Yeah, you could, yeah. They just played the day before. But you're playing a team that's already played. It, oh, right? they've already played, and they played 24 hours before, and right. they're playing in that game for a reason because they, you know, they played their way into that eight-nine game. So, no, um, but you, it's more that you just want to get your game over with, and then you can write your story or two for us, write your story or two, um, and then – uh, hit the town or come back and watch the games at night and just root against Duke and who Carolina, if they're still there. Um, and if they might not be, they're playing on Wednesday uh, this year, it looks like. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of just picking favorites. You're having fun watching basketball. If you're, if you're waiting till the night game, uh, you don't enjoy those afternoon games. Cause all you're thinking about is, okay, okay. Virginia's got a game. Virginia's got a game. So, um, but yeah, this, this is, these are all good problems to have Scott, because, uh, 
you know, it's it's February 8th. We're a month, literally less than a month away now. Uh, the tournament starts on March 7th. Um, we're getting to that time of year uh, as far as as far as the the rubber getting ready to hit the road. Yeah, time to get the suitcase out. It, it is, it is. Uh, well, you know, we've been at this for about an hour, so I think it might be time to wrap ourselves up here. Scott, thank you. This has been fun as always. Join. We didn't even talk about your Casey Morsell story. Uh, I'll just I'll just tease it and say for our listeners out there, damn, we just talked for an hour. I didn't talk about your Casey Morsell story. Scott caught up with Casey Morsell last night after the game. Uh, it's a really good, it's a really good column. Uh, good detail. Great kid, Chris. Great kid, and I feel sorry that he he got a mouth he got an earful um but he seemed to take it pretty well he earned it though i mean to his credit he left virginia he was not playing well last night he was a thorn in our side so I, you know i'm happy in that sense okay especially because virginia won the game i'm really happy for him he had a good game last night because uh that kind of completes the circle for him and actually great comments from tony bennett after the game read scott's column it's on the augusta free press front page uh we'll keep it up there for a couple of days too um, but a great little insight into, into Casey. And it was, it was Scott one-on-one with Casey. So this yeah. is not any, anything anybody else had. Uh, but yeah, so, so get into that. Uh, we've got the, uh, the observations from last night's game. Uh, I had a story on the, the defense and getting a deep dive into the numbers. I had a deep dive into Caden Shedrick. Some things we talked about here on the podcast, obviously. Um, there's also the, that football story that I wrote that lots of people have read about and, and, and have commented on. Uh, there, that's still there if you haven't read it or if you want to read it again. Um, and uh, Jerry and I, Jerry Ratcliffe and I will get together on a podcast tomorrow and we'll talk some more Virginia stuff. Uh, Jeff Fife's going to join me on Friday. Jeff's going to take the fan perspective and just ask me lots of questions about Virginia basketball primarily, but a little bit of football as well. And then Saturday, we got Virginia and Duke, four o'clock in JPJ. Scott and I will be there and uh, look for our game previews. Uh, and then also, of course, uh, we'll be there courtside. So any case, uh, thanks to Scott. Thanks to you for listening. If you have any questions for me, anything for us to write about in the future, email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.